Hi, everybody. Here we are again, Harnessing Your Wealth. I'm Billy Peterson. We have Sean Peterson with us. And also, our guest today is Emil Harker. Emil, we're grateful for your time today to join us. I'm going to give you a big, bit of a background and turn it over to you. But we've known Emil for several years now. And he's he's got his own business, works there in there's Farmington Station. Is that right, Emil? Has right. an office there. And he does a lot of relationship counseling and helping people overcome themselves in a lot of ways, whether that's couple counseling or just individuals struggling in situations in life. And he's provided so much help to so many people. And I think in this day and age where people are dealing with conflict and depression and marriage issues and all of that, we thought it would be very beneficial for our listeners to hear from Emil Quick background for Sean and myself. We we met Emil, like I said, maybe, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years ago. Been a while. And we were doing those second Saturdays, they call them. And that's a it's a program where we have different professionals get together and help people who are dealing with divorce-related issues and trying to help them navigate all those complexities. And so Sean and, and I were the divorce financial experts. And then we have a counselor, someone like Emil, and then we have an attorney, hopefully a low conflict attorney, <laughs> who can potentially talk about legal ramifications if divorce is actually decided upon. But I think getting before that, long before there, people can decide to take a turn for the better and hopefully put those things back in order and and get back to the relationship that they wanted. So that's why we have Emil today. So Emil, I'm going to ask you the first question I have is really Bring just it. your background. <laughs> Tell us about yourself. How did you get into this? How did you get into this counseling deal? Okay. Well, my, my first love was actually food. I wanted food. to be a chef for as long as I could remember, dude. Ever since I was a teeny kid, I wanted to be a chef. Until I started working at really nice restaurants and I realized that is going to make me the worst father, <laughs> husband. Like seriously, like you're working weekends, holidays, special events all the time. And I thought, you know, as fun as I love, I mean, I love food. I mean, oh, that's my big hobby too. But I don't know if I wanted to give up being the other parts of my life. So I literally had a midlife crisis before my life even started. And um, I ended up, I, had, I took this class uh, at Weber State in family studies, which was my minor at the time. And because food nutrition was going to be my major, mm -hmm. I had one of the professors say, hey, have you ever thought about being a therapist? And I'm like, well, what does a therapist do? Well, you talk to people and you you help them work through the crap in their life. And I'm like, you know, I was always the guy that the girls would talk to about their problems in high school. There's always that one guy. <laughs> I was the guy and see, wow. they'd go after the other guys, you know, yeah. but they would talk to me and tell me what a great listener I was and how in touch with my feelings I was. And then they'd leave me and just go back to the turd, right? The guy. <laughs> so I figured, you know what? I love relationships. I love the dynamics. I love trying to figure out why people do what they do. The quality of our lives hinge on the quality of our relationships. If we're if our relationship starts to go south, there's nothing in life that makes us feel okay. And so like and even if everything else is going okay, but our relationship isn't, the quality of our life still tanks. So understanding the dynamics that make relationships work. And then I go a little bit crazy, like a little bit nutty, the relationships with ourselves, you know, what's our relationship like with ourselves. So I'm all about relationships and trying to deal with those barriers that prevent us from living a full life. And that's kind of how I went from, you know, cooking stuff up in the kitchen to now, you know, cooking stuff up in my office, just a little different outcome, you know, mm. just trying to help people be happy. Right. That's got to be a rewarding experience. I'm sure you see a lot of difficult 
situations. I, I can't imagine how many different scenarios you've tried yeah. to help people with. But going back, I mean, hey, as you're talking about cooking and being a chef, you know, I was a jockey, right? That was my first career. <laughs> right. There was no eating in my life. So I can't even imagine what that would have been like. Um, but hey, I'm glad that here you're a chef. Maybe someday we can get together and yeah, sample be, something. You bet you, man. I'm I'm all about like my my favorite thing right now. I get on these little these little things like right now it's sourdough. And I sourdough baguettes, like shaping of the bread, because that's a thing. You know, you, you can't just stretch throw it down and yeah. You have to understand the how to work the bread to give it the the there's the what, way more going on there than I ever realized. Yeah. So and Apparently. I love it. I love food. I love the smell of it. And uh so I keep that as a background hobby while the rest of my life in the office I'm working on, you know. On we all rice. have to have that hobby away from work, right? Yeah, that's, you do. that's good. What do you what are the main issues that you help people with, if you can put that into words? You bet. So uh, most of the stuff is when, when people look me up, they're usually with something about the relationship. Something's going on either with intimacy issues or conflict resolution. Um, their relationships aren't as good as they want it to be. And they're just struggling trying to figure out, well, what do I do? Because I don't want to keep going down the path that makes it worse. And so I need to do something about it. And that's when I usually get that phone call. You know, I also work with people who've got depression depression, anxiety, and a variety of other things. Like I work with teenagers too. But when but if someone says, well, what are you known for? You know, I'm I'm the relationship expert, dude. I, I deal with helping people connect. In fact, use the inevitable conflict in life. Okay. Cause that's mm, that's inevitable. How do I deal with that conflict and use it to actually create closeness? instead of doing everything we can to avoid it and only get peace. See if we if we if we're not seeking closeness, okay, we'll end up fighting for peace. And peace is not the same as, you know, closeness and intimacy and we don't we don't learn how to do that, you know? Mm -hmm. Our parents didn't teach us. We don't learn it at school. So you've got to have somebody kind of show you this. It shouldn't be a secret, but it's not common knowledge. No, it's it's really not taught. We don't know how to deal with this. And I think conflict is, it seems to be growing leaps and bounds with the social media and the interactions and failures and how to interact with people. Like, I know you're an author, right? You've written one. How many books? Two. Two books. So there's a lot of, this is a big trend going on out there in the world. I mean, my wife is a, is a big self-help coach. She does mind-body healing so she helps people understand chronic pain why they have it the root cause of it all that um some some of the things you just mentioned it, i remember a quote from eckhart tolle i don't know if you've ever heard of him german kind of philosopher type uh understanding the the underlying spirit and reasons for the way we are and he says it's not the conflict that's the problem it's our reaction to it is the problem. It's, you know, searching outside of yourself, it's really what's inside of you that is is the answer, whether it can be the answer or not. You know, that's how we deal with it. What are some of the people that you follow, like authors or people that kind of have a big presence in this field? Well, you know, you can't do what I do and not be familiar with um, Dr. John um now I'm gonna I'm gonna blank because the <laughs> Gotman. <laughs> just say go. Gotham as in like the Gotham City, you know, Batman or something. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's not gonna come out right. But John Gottman, he's he's kind of like the 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 one of the biggest researchers when it comes to like doing marriage counseling. And I love his stuff, but the only downside is is instead he looks at couples and he studies healthy couples and whatever they do, he tries to mimic and apply. Mm. And that's helpful and good. But here's the thing is, and there's a variety of different relationships we might want. Some people are okay kind of in a casual, less intimate relationship. 
And the tools to having a really deep, intimate relationship, those aren't the ones that he's studying. He's studying the people that don't get divorced. And if we're using not getting divorced as an indication for a successful marriage, I think the bar's a little too low. I think Probably. we need to think, what can we do, you know, to maximize the quality of our very lives? And that's going to be with learning the tools. Like to your point, conflict isn't the issue. Conflict never has been the issue. It's our response to conflict. Because as soon as there is a disagreement, a disappointment, a myth, a bug, a hurt feeling, that's the moment when we can create closeness. But that doesn't happen naturally. The natural thing to do is to become defensive, to pull away or to attack. You hurt my feelings. You're being rude. You don't care about me. You're selfish. Well, what does the other person do? They don't go, thank you so much for that feedback. That feedback helps me meet your needs better. Not one person says that. They usually get defensive right back. So if we do what comes natural, it is, it's, we're going to go sideways fast. Yeah. Why do we, why do we do that? Why do we attack? Why don't, why can't we put our swords down? The thing is, is we, this is all biological, like the, the whole defensive mechanism. No one actually thinks, oh, that looks like it could be a snake. That's probably something I should avoid. Those are knee-jerk reactions. They're systems in the brain that are trying to preserve our safety, preserve mm. our lives. Yeah. And in emotional ways, our bodies react the same way. In fact, biologically, there's this thing called status, right? We, When we walk into a room without trying, we're automatically sorting. Where do I fit in this room? How do I How do I measure up? You know, you go to a gala. Okay, all right. Within seconds, you know who the top dog is, who the people over there is, and the people that don't really matter. Okay, that's not a conscious thought you have to do. That's biological. That's, so in other words, we're wired to know where we fit in status so that we can have higher access to resources. The higher you are in status, the more access to resources you have for fulfillment, for comfort, for life. When there is an attack or even a perceived attack to our level of status, in other words, if someone misunderstands us, our physiology, like we feel the pain of rejection. And what do we do? Defensive reaction, not a response that's calculated. See, the limbic system is all about fight and flight. The frontal right. cortex is what's the most appropriate response for the situation. But when we're in fight or flight mode, there's an attack to our perceived value. The frontal cortex doesn't get doesn't kick in. We go into how do I avoid or disprove your thoughts? So I might say, you don't understand me at all. You don't even care. So I'm going to be critical, which is a defensive. It's attack, but it's a defensive response to my insecurities. Mm. <laughs> we literally need a training program to hijack the limbic system that's designed to preserve us, but it literally sabotages us if we just give into whatever comes natural. And I hear that a lot. I go, why, why do I have to play these stupid games to get things I want? I go, really? Playing games? If you give into your natural you, you're an a-hole. That's the truth. <laughs> you, can, you can say it on this podcast, email. You, you, it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I, We're trying uh, to bring this, uh, you know, the, the cussing out of a little, little bit more. It's therapeutic for us. It is good. Yeah, I read your book, uh, email. It's a great book. And these conflicts that you're talking about, you know, the attacks and everyone gets defensive and, you know, the guard goes up. One of the things I took away from your book, and I, I use it in the office all the time, I'll say, well, is there truth to that? And I think that's one of the biggest things you can look back and say, well, is there truth to what they're saying to me? And then you acknowledge that truth. And then you're right. It brings 
closeness. Um, I think that's a very powerful thing. Yeah. Because if we don't have that moment, we don't have the, think of, I think of words as like these interactive um, elements that connect. And if we don't have the phrase to use, like, is there any truth to that? Then, then, then what do we say? We don't, Mm -hmm. and what we say has an impact on the other person. Our words have an impact. And if we don't use the right words, we're not going to have the right impact. Yeah. My intentions could be fantastic. But if I go to my wife and say, hey, babe, you say that intimacy is important, but you don't do crap. If I don't do it, nothing happens. How many women ever say, oh, babe, you are so right. I am going to make it up to you tonight because I feel terrible about not embracing your masculinity with all the love and passion that I have reserved for you. No woman actually says that. But no, you just it. shut them down for a while. If you're, <laughs> you're, on, you're on the couch, bro. Yeah, you're, yeah. Done. you're downstairs. <clears throat> no, I love that stuff. Makes us stop and think. And I think another part of it that I love is when you're talking about being aware rather than going, I call it unconscious almost. So you're, you're going back, you, you call it your biological, your, your, what is it? Your subconscious mind just kicks in. It's just, it's just reactionary. And then we're not thinking. And so without the thinking part, without being able to pay attention to our thoughts before we speak them, that's when we get ourselves in trouble. 99% of the time. Yeah. Yeah. What email you meet with a lot of couples. And I know before this podcast started, you're talking about kind of getting into the corporate realm with everything, but what let's start with couples. What are some of the major trends, conflicts, issues that you're seeing with, with couples lately today's age? Well, what we're seeing now a lot of is with social media, there's a a chronic disappointment without any training of increasing our connection and there's this you know sense of i wish it could be better i want it to be better so there's this longing for more but no guidance so then what happens is if i'm disappointed disillusioned in my relationship and i start to think you know it'd be really nice if i had something different Mm -hmm. soon as that happens not different with my wife different period. I start opening myself up to the entertainment of having a relationship that's not my wife. And that, I hate to say this, but it's it's a it's a big deal. Like so many people are opening themselves up to developing relationships outside of their marriage. And nobody actually plans on having an affair. No one says, you know what? When I grow up and after I have my fifth kid, I think I want to turn things upside down by getting some side tail. (laughs) That's never, no one starts the day or the year 2024. Hey, maybe this is my year of infidelity. What happens is they open their hearts and their minds up to maybe getting some attention somewhere else. Hmm. And that's that energy starts to come back to them. What you put out, you bring back. That's right. And Things either grow or they die. And I don't want to put the brakes on it. So let's just see how far this goes. Hmm. Well, guess what? it's going to keep growing if you don't kill it. And next thing you know, I get people in my office all the time. I don't know how this happened. I never intended this to happen. Mm-hmm. I was just looking for answers. And then, and you're like, yeah. And I mean, I got people pretty much thrown up in the garbage can realizing that how far it's come and that what they have to do to deal with the trauma of what their families are going to go through. Mm. It's sick miserable. It's really sick. tough watching the, the kids, you know, Sean and I deal with this a lot with the divorce side in the, with the financial realm. Yeah. And most people come to us, they aren't thinking about the emotional aspect, but I am, I've gone through divorced myself. So I've seen it both as a child when my parents divorced and how traumatic that was for me and my siblings. 
And then as an adult, which I swore, like you mentioned earlier, you're never going to plan on that. And I, it was the furthest thing. It was, I swore I'd never go through that. It was just not going to happen for me. And then it did. So now I'm reliving it from the, through the eyes of my kids and how hard it was for them. It's not easy. So I'm always talk, trying to talk to our clients as much, I guess, about the emotional part of it and how to stop being so, so angry and get past that. Because usually you're going to have somebody that's, that's wanting to re get this redemption and, right. and they want to hurt the other one as bad as they're hurting. And ultimately it just continues to hurt them. And it also costs more money. Anger is expensive. <laughs> Very it expensive. Is. You guys know this. It's like, if I'm pissed off, then I'm going to pursue, you know, allegations. I'm going to do what I think is fair and right. I don't care what it costs. Really? Maybe you should spend <laughs> therapy so you can save money in your bank account, you know? It's so important. I mean, we try to get them to understand how... I don't know. I hate to use the word childish, but sometimes it is because they can't see the forest for the trees. They're not able to process how expensive it's getting, the emotional trauma and drainage. And then they want to align themselves with their friends who continue to feed that fire. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's such a jerk. Oh, uh -huh. narcissist. You know, we've heard that word thousands of times, but it's it's just difficult. You know, that's why we like the collaborative approach typically is people who can handle their emotions better yeah. and they're not looking for some sort of a win well and there's first thing we tell them it's not a win in divorce yeah that collaborative approach too provides for open communication and if you have a couple that can still communicate even though they're in a terrible situation you have a much better outcome so having a financial person a therapist attorneys i mean it's just a better uh, outcome from what we've seen, but uh, yeah. I mean, let's let's hop to money maybe a little bit. I mean, everyone yeah. knows that Billy and I manage money for people and been doing it for a long time. Yeah. But what about couples and money and the conflict and the issues you see there? Do you do you have any advice for couples that are dealing with with money issues or examples? This is one of the you guys know this is one of the big issues in relationships. Money is a huge thing. And for a variety of reasons, and I'm not saying just not having it. Yeah. You know, when you do have it, what is the role of money? So I have a guy, you know, that money was an indication of his self-worth, not his net worth, self-worth. And so the higher the stack of the coins, the more value he had. So... I mean, he was a he was a penny pincher. So he would always be getting on his wife's case about, hey, did you really need to buy that? Like, hey, how much money did you spend at Target? Hey, can mm -hmm. I see that receipt? Now look, they could buy a house, a house, and it would be a rounding error. <laughs> <laughs> so when you think about really you're worried about Target. There's no way in crap your wife's going to be spending up at Target to give you, you know, heartburn. But the idea was the more coins he had, the greater his worth, the higher the stack. Oh, so anything that took away from that, dessert at a restaurant, sodas at a restaurant. Do we really need that? Do we really need that? Come on, guys. We don't need that. Hmm. We, we don't need sodas. They're $3.50 a drink. 350 and you get six kids. Oh my gosh, you might need to cut Take back. Take out a loan. <laughs> yeah, that's so it doesn't even matter how much money it is. It's the principle. What is money for? And so getting on the right page with not do we have it or don't have it, what's money for? Is money for your self-worth? Is it for future comfort? Is it to lubricate life? Enjoy it, right? Like you, money can lubricate life. It can make things so much more convenient and easy. You don't want to cook? Uber, boom, I'm bringing it in. 
and if that, but what do you want money for? Is that worth not having money in the future? Is the convenience of today worth struggling, scrimping later on? When do you want to retire? Where do you want to retire? How do you want to live when you retire? See, people don't have these kinds of conversations. And so both people have completely different expectations about money that they don't talk about. And as soon as the expectation isn't met, you bought something you didn't need. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, I take that personal. And my objection, my wife takes personal. So now we're having conflict about being judged for how we think about money, which which could be resolved like once and for all just by having someone guide you through the process of what is money for? What do you want to do with it? How is it going to work for you? And get on the same page. Because once the expectations are dialed in, then there's minimal likelihood of disappointment. Okay. It's going to happen because there's going to be surprises. You know, um, if if my wife and I were having a conversation about what we're going to do with our money, and then I look on the credit card statement and 900 bucks is gone, I might go, well, um, what's this? Like, oh, we need a new tires. Oh, okay, okay, mm. okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm glad I don't have Billy's truck because I don't know if we could afford tires. <laughs> so, but the idea is, is well, we got to get on the same page so that we minimize frustrations, and we just don't. What happens as soon as there's frustration or disappointment that happens, we either shut down, pull away, and which every conversation, every conflict that doesn't get resolved turns into resentment. And mm -hmm. resentment is like toxic waste in the relationship. You think you're getting by with peace. Any unresolved problems become fermenting into resentment. And resentment and contempt, oh man, they're next door neighbors. And contempt is, I don't even care that you don't like me right now. I don't even care if you you hate me. Don't care. That's total contempt. And so there's no more um, inclination and accountability and responsibility to, how do I make sure the other person's needs are met? I'm like, that's not my business. Your happiness, that's on you. I'm happy over here. Well, now you have two people that are independently happy. Really, really great. That's called roommates. Excuse me, we're almost in the home stretch for the episode. But before we cross the finish line, I just want you to know that you can contact Billy and his team at www.petersonws.com or by visiting the show notes. Now, back to harnessing your wealth. Yeah, that's going back to that money conversation. Billy and I have sit down with thousands of couples probably over the years, Billy. And, uh, it's funny. I see, I see it a lot where one spouse just controls the money. The other spouse has no idea what's going on with the money. And we try to promote, Hey, you need to have an open line of communication. Just like you said, what is the money for? What are our future plans? What are we going to spend it on? And, and try to get on the same page because, you know, the worst case is uh, the, spouse that controlled all the money dies or something or is no longer there divorce and the other spouse is going what the hell do i do now exactly. um, there's so many scattering. emotions aren't there yeah. when it comes to money because you may have that person that figures i made this i've contributed most of this to the family yeah. i should be the one deciding i i need to control and then you have the selfish aspect and then you have the jealousy factor where you see, well, one spouse went and bought this. So, Hey, by damn, I'm going to go do something myself too. There's fair, right? We're not yeah. talking about the balance of the budget. We want balance of fairness because mm -hmm. the budget doesn't say, Oh, well now we're even. No, it never says that. It's like you take 500 bucks for your thing and take 500 bucks for your thing. That's a thousand bucks less. Yeah. And the bank account doesn't say, I feel much better now. So you're absolutely <laughs> right. People say that all the time. Well, because you went on a golf trip with your friends, 
I just said, do this. It's like, well, yeah, you that- selfish bastard. I'm going <laughs> to go do that myself. <laughs> Except it's going to be a women's trip and it's going to cost three times as much money. <laughs> but, so that's the idea is if you get on the same page and you start having conversations as soon as possible, it's never too late to have the conversations. Mm. And if you, but if you give in, if you just say, well, this is okay with me. Okay. Then you have to deal with the consequences. But I promise you, like getting on the same page about your finances and making decisions together, it's like a meal, like life. Like you can eat a fantastic meal by yourself and it's never as good as eating it with someone who appreciates it and enjoys it too. Yeah. So I like that. You make decisions together, life's better. You do it on your own, that's okay. I mean, it's good, but it isn't delicious. We look at the financial aspect when we're talking about financial planning and retirement planning, probably the same way you look at when you're doing relationship counseling. It's like, how much can you really do if you just had one party show up and they're doing all the counseling and all the work and the other one's staying home with the same attitude, same mindset, same planning. How you can't do it. But yet we have a lot of people who unfortunately choose to just have one appointed or one that says, I don't want to look at that. I don't care. I don't want to just let so-and-so handle the money part. But yeah. either because of a stressful, it's too stressful for them to look at it or they don't want to take the time. But aren't they about the same? I mean, don't we all need to get on the same page so where we can talk through these issues? Yeah. It's it, the quality of our lives. Like if, if she's got anxiety... Let's say the woman has anxiety. She doesn't even want to look at the balance. Well, then you better be praying that he sticks around and you better be praying he don't die because you think you have anxiety now. Mm-hmm. And so it really is. And you think about it, the anxiety just comes from not understanding. Once you understand where you're at and what you're doing and where you're going, not only do you have the peace, lack of conflict and contention, but you also have peace in your soul in the sense of, hey, we're in it together. We make decisions together. Like we support each other because we're in this together. It's like, man, there's something about this openness that creates the connection. You don't have openness. You can't have the connection. Mm-hmm. You can have peace maybe. Like we're going to divide the rules. Had a, co- a client of mine. He was in charge of money his whole life, right? The whole Their whole relationship. They're, they're about ready to buy a house. And at the last minute, he says, I don't think it's a good idea. We're not going to buy this house. In the meantime, she's been picking out fixtures, dude. Yeah. Right? She's She's been talking to interior decorators. She's getting, oh. And then he just goes, no, I don't think it's a good idea. He single-handedly does that. Okay. That made me a crap ton of money. Thank you very much. But the trauma that did to her like wait a minute i'm going full steam on this house because we've been talking about it for over a year and at the last minute you say no and my vote doesn't matter yeah that's a hard one to recover from but we shouldn't have ever had that problem they should have had open communication from the get-go hey i'm a little stressed about should we invest this much money in that big of a house? Do we need that big of a house? No, 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 no. He just said, go, 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 go. Plan, prepare. <clears throat> she was hosting parties at the house that wasn't built. And he's the party pooper. He just shoots it down. <laughs> That's betrayal. Relational, financial betrayal. That's a hard thing to, to recover from, something like that. Because then you go, are you really that selfish? Are you really that unaware of the impact your decisions have on me? Right. And do, or do you just not care? Like that's deep, man. That that cuts to the bone. Yeah, that, that would pose a lot of questions in that mm. that wife's mind. I, I'm I'm sure. What I mean, what tips can you give people? Just maybe some basic ones with with marriage and and money. I'll bet you in a similar way. And this is very, you know, very simple, but what I have people do, and you may do this financially, I go, just draw a circle on a piece of paper. What do you want in your marriage? 
just throw things in there. What do you want? I want peace. I want closeness. I want great sex. I want, you know, um, support, independence, shared activities. Just start dumping things inside what you want in your marriage, in your relationship. Now, you might do a circle. What do you want to do about life? Okay. Another circle. What do you want to do about money? What do you... What do you want financially in your life? And you start dumping all this stuff in there, okay? And you start to have a conversation about, okay, well, what do we need money for? What's our lifestyle going to be like financially when I'm 70? How much money do I need? If my house is paid for and and I've traveled the world, what if I just want to get into a van and just drive around and see my kids and grandkids. That's all I want to do. Have my golf clubs in the back. I'm living like a freaking king. And the wife says, no, 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 no. We will build a bigger house that has a bigger great room. So we can host all of the family get-togethers. Uh-oh. <laughs> we have a problem. Because when you're 55 and you already have this expectation of how things are going to be. Oh my gosh, I can't wait till we retire, downsize. And she's like going, no, 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 no. Build a bigger nest because I've got more chicks. <laughs> Uh-oh, we're, we're in trouble. So we got to have those conversations right off the bat. And you can do it right now. Draw circles. Everybody can draw circles. Draw a circle. What do you want in your marriage? What do you want in your financial life? What do you want for life? What do you want for your retirement? Given this is how much money we have, how do we want to use it? Because most people aren't going to get lucky and have some bonus money fall in their lap. Whatever they've had over the past three to five years, probably going to be pretty consistent. Okay, what lifestyle do you want to live with that amount of money? And, the, and But the people that you work with, they're they're not the people that are going, hey, can we go to Disneyland this year? You know, but even bigger, it's like, well, what do we want retirement to look like? You know, where do we want to live? Should we get that house in San Diego or Galveston? Should we just do VRBO? What should we do? If we get the house in Galveston, then we can use it as a tax write-off and we can also get it paid for as a VRBO. Just saying. Oh, that's another idea. I didn't think about that. So having the conversations about what you want, because decisions depend on the clarity of the outcome. So when people say, I don't know what to do, no problem. That means you don't know what you want. Figure out what you want, then what you need to do is a lot easier to figure out. I'm not saying easier to do, but easier to figure out. That's such a simple yet really profound way to look at it. Honestly, it's I don't, I don't feel that very many people do it. And and the reason I say that is when we bring a, a couple in or a new client in to discuss their retirement or their financial goals, it's one of the first things we ask them is what are your financial goals? What do you want to do? How, when do you want to retire? Well, how much do you want to spend in retirement? How, what do you want for vacations? Do you want to buy a second home? And it's funny, I'd say 80% of the time, they give you the deal. People don't know. No right? clue. They, they don't no. know what they want. They don't know where they're going. They don't know how much they need for any of these things or what. And so they haven't. That shows me, going back to your comment, they haven't talked about it. They don't talk about it. And and then sometimes it's too late, right? When it, Then they're the problems manifest and bam. Yep. They're just living day to day. Not yeah. looking at the corner of what the future looks like. Because the decisions you make today are going to make a big difference about what 10 years from now, what's life's going to be like. Well, that's a, just- that's a big tool. I like that one. Just to, just to start talking. I mean, you see too many couples. Now you go out to restaurants and I find myself looking around and watch people, how they interact with one another. A lot of couples are just sitting there. Neither one I'm talking to each other They're on their phones, you know? And so they're really not getting to know each other better. What they want out of life. Billy's going to have, some like letterhead with a circle on it. Here's yeah. an activity for you, cute couple. 
Why don't you work on what you guys want? <laughs> yeah. Find the numbers on the bottom in case you need some help. Boom. You just you just created another book right there. Just start start doing blank pages of that. Rip them out. The restaurants where they got a lot of money, you know. <laughs> you get that taco time again, you know. Speaking of taco time, we had a guy that did the taco Tuesday. Is it Taco Tuesdays that they used yeah. to do that? This guy was worth twenty million or so, and his wife divorced him when they were mid seventies, I believe. And all about that, you know, kind of going back to the original. Yeah. thought you had on that money situation he is such a miser he wouldn't spend a nickel matter of fact he'd do the taco tuesdays and then he would go up to weber state to shower because he didn't want to use hot water he wouldn't let his wife turn on the heater above like 60 to 60 degrees on the furnace i'm serious mill they're worth 20 million dollars <laughs> right and what's interesting is you think if you're smart enough to do the math Hot water costs a lot less than ten million. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, half you your money, yeah. pretty quick. So yeah. why not invest it in the relationship and use the money to design the life that you want to live? With, mm -hmm. But be deliberate about it. Otherwise, you'll live life by default, which no one says. Oh, I'd rather have a default life than a designer life. You become stuck in the ego and you start to think about the money and building and building and you're looking at the numbers and so many people get addicted for different reasons, addicted to certain things, drugs, you know, whatever, you, you, anything, you've seen it all. Right. But, you know, hey, we can't forget that some people get addicted to just seeing the numbers grow. Right. I want those stacks higher. I want those numbers to grow. If that number goes down, my value plummets. Yeah. Can't take it with you either. We, we talk about that all the time. You know, you, you cannot take that big stack with you. So you might as well invest it, like you said, in, in experiences or memories, or obviously we're promoting investing for your retirement, but that stems into building all those memories and keeping the marriage together and investing in that. And it's still for a purpose. Important. It's not it's just purpose. to grow indefinitely. Yeah. It's a purpose that you'll eventually have that nest egg to draw from, you know, or to give create. Give it away. I mean, give it away. people love supporting charities and different things. And But again, if your spouse isn't on that same page, I think that's what we're saying here is open communication. Draw those circles. What do you want to put in that financial circle? I, I like that, Emil. We might run with that, okay? But you know, what's interesting <laughs> is, is the way you guys approach the financial piece with the, with the lens of relationships. I had... um a client that I actually sent to Billy about, you know, getting them through a divorce because they kind of looked at what they wanted and they realized they don't want the same things. So they needed to divide the assets. And when they, so I know how good Sean and Billy are because it wasn't long after I go to Twigs and I see ex-husband, ex-wife, with their son for their birthday party. Okay. Not birthday party party, but birthday lunch. And they're getting along great. It's it's yeah. phenomenal when you feel like it, it worked that way. And that's so important for us when we're dealing with helping people with navigating the divorce. Um, you know, it, it, it's a dissolution, but it, it, we're dissolving something, but we're hopefully also putting something else together where we can build on a relationship that's different, but it's still going to stand the test of time. And that's it's so important, and we value that a lot. With this epidemic, I call it, of all these conditions, illnesses and mental health conditions all over the world, and I, I have my own thoughts on why they're springing up so much. I think it's becoming such a trend. How do you help people deal with that? I mean, how do you help people break away from the negativity and all these comparisons to everyone online. What are some of the solutions? Yeah, I'll tell you right now, my, um, my, my philosophy about this isn't warmly received right now. And I'll tell you why. I'm, I'm, I talked with, and I'll, I know we're running out of time, but I had a conversation with the lady, okay? And she wrote a book. And the book is, it's for like helping relationships, 
But notice the, 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 the topic, the title was Stop Being a Dick. Okay, now I want you to think about that. That perpetuates the protection of the butterflies. Okay? Now, number one, who's going to read a book, Stop Being a Dick? The dicks or the butterflies? Butterflies? Right. You got it. Like, yeah. Yeah. So no, say the dick no. doesn't think he's a dick. <laughs> right. So what's going to happen is the butterflies are going to feel more entitled to the injuries that they get from those dicks. Yeah. Right? And the dicks aren't reading the books. So what's happening is we're trying to help people by making it more comfortable, more validating. And that is not the solution. The solution is to equip butterflies with, you know, strength, with, with confidence, so that when this dick comes, the butterfly handles them with the sweetness of the butterfly, but, but with power of the words. They don't have to, you know, tangle horns. That's not the point. There's always someone bigger and badder than you. But the power doesn't come from the horn tangle. It comes from the tools of the conversation. And so what we need to do with this epidemic of, you know, fragility, we need to not protect the fragile. Okay. I'm not trying to support a-holes, by the way. I'm trying to because you cannot convince the a-holes to stop being a-holes by telling them to stop. You can't. You can only disempower them by the collection of powerful butterflies. Hmm. So when powerful butterflies start holding these a-holes to, you know, um, to task, mm -hmm. all of a sudden those guys get a little softer. They become more sensitive because they don't want to get beat up. Or feel stupid when someone calls them out in a gentle, kind way. Hey, I don't think you meant to insult anyone. I'm sure you're just trying to speak your mind with confidence. Is that right? Now, what is the a-hole going to say? No, I'm actually really trying to offend somebody and you guys caught on. No, they can't say that. They have to go, oh, crap. Well, I'm, I'm going to better be careful what I say next time because I just feel embarrassed right now. Yeah, they figured me out. If the butterflies just go to the HR department and complain, that's nothing. Not, nothing that changes. Yeah. So what yeah. we need to do is help people with the confidence to 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 handle the life that they're given, not protect them from the life that's happening. Yeah. Yeah, that victim mentality is it certainly doesn't get you very far if you're always looking at yourself as a victim and powerless because then you've given your power away. By definition, right, right. So, what are? How do you help people? Don't I mean? Uh, last question here. Maybe we're kind of wrapping up, but yeah. the high rates of anxiety and depression and all that stuff going on. Is there a way to help people with that? Uh, with with therapy, or or is everyone just going to have to be subject to drugs prescriptions and going forward? The the effect of depression and anxiety. Okay, it's a chemical thing, right? But what we think about, look, I, I don't haven't told many people this, but I've had some serious panic attacks, like freak the crap out of me, panic attacks. I can bring them on by thinking in a negative way. Right. Well, if I can bring them on thinking in a negative way, then what does that tell me about my power of my mind? You can also get rid of them by thinking in a different way. That's right. Now there's a gravitational pull toward the negativity. It's a lot harder to think positively. I know that. But if I start training my brain, okay, to not avoid negativity, okay, but what I'm trying to do is take something that's scary, find value in it, find, it, it sounds, this probably sounds a little crazy, but you're a POW, okay, you're in a box. And, you know, you're in this cramped space. Okay, you've got claustrophobia. <laughs> that is hell. Okay, but what if I say to myself, all right, 
if I'm in the box, I'm safe. If I'm in the box, they can't beat me. If I'm in the box, I can rest. If I'm in the box, I get the power of my imagination. They're either going to have to feed me or they have to let me die. Either way, there is relief. So I'm going to practice going somewhere in my mind that's peaceful. When we sleep, our bodies wouldn't know if we're in a box or wide open. Mm -hmm. But our minds are free to explore the universe. We we channel that. We are we are limitless in overcoming anxiety, depression. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying it's possible. Yeah. Love it. So many things that people can learn from this. And I I truly think it's it's going to be helpful. I know it's helpful for me just sitting here listening to you, Amelia. You have a great way of putting things in the words. And you know what? I think you made a damn good choice. All right, going into this <laughs> career. Now I don't know how good a cook. Hold on, I, I need to see his cooking first I mean, before we'll, we decide. We'll be but... the judge. <laughs> we'll be the judge eventually. But yeah. I I know you do a great job for your your clients and you for do. your the people who come and see you. Heard nothing but rave reviews. So, how do people get a hold of you if they ever wanted to look you up? Super easy. Emilharker.com. First and last name dot com e m i l h a r k e r dot com, easy peasy. And then you have access to links to your books and uh, some some information books, on your website. You make an appointment with me right there online. It's pretty simple, and they can learn all sorts of stuff about me. You can also just Google Emil Harker. I don't know. There's tons of crap out there from other podcasts. Any. Whatever M mug shots or anything like that, yeah, right? Nothing like that. There's nothing too embarrassing yet. Uh, that's that's but good. All right. If I'm, you know, if I keep going the way I'm going, who knows? I might be wearing an orange jumpsuit doing these podcasts. You don't want to sit still. A guy like you has got to always be doing something. So, okay, make your Thanks, name guys. known. <laughs> it's been great hanging out with you guys. It's Thanks awesome. For, Thanks, Thanks for so coming much. on. You bet. Emil, appreciate you being here. To all you, you listeners, you hope you enjoyed this show. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Harnessing Your Wealth with Billy Peterson. Before we declare the race official, please click the follow button so you can be notified when new episodes become available. For more information about today's show, please check out the show notes. Visit our website at www.petersonws.com or give us a call at 801-475-4002. Once again, thank you for listening. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Peterson Wealth Services. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.